What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Pat's Chat Podcast. I'm Doug Kide. <laughs> Joined, as always, by Michael Hurley. Bad start. I don't Bad know what the start. hell just happened to my voice uh, or my throat or whatever just happened. I feel like I like, almost just threw up, but um, it's it's Thursday. It's like 3.30 p.m. It's like 50 degrees outside, and you're wearing a, a winter jacket and a winter hat. So You know what it is? deal, I'm man? In, I'm in the basement. First of all, it's not like your soul just left your body, so R.I.P. <laughs> um <laughs> the thing is, anyone that uses like a basement that's not like insulated so much, it lags. So yeah. in the summer, when it starts to get hot, it stays cool for like an extra week. And in the winter, when it's randomly warm out, it's still freezing cold in your basement. So that's that. But Doug, I- I've got good vibes this week. I don't know about you. Uh, with good vibes. Yeah, I mean, I I probably have better vibes if they had won the last two weeks. Uh-huh. See, but the thing is, like, I feel like when there's this avalanche of negativity and awfulness. Sometimes we get sucked up, and it's like, oh well, they're obviously going to keep being bad. But I don't right. know. I feel like I feel like things are, are pointing up this week. Uh, call me call me a sucker. Maybe I'm <laughs> rooting for it because then we have interest in the last week of the year, and it's not just a wash. But I got good vibes. I I actually kind of do too. Um, and I will say that when we started this podcast, you also had good vibes, and you were like, no, they're going to beat the Raiders, they're going to beat the Bengals, they're going to beat the Dolphins, they're going to beat the Bills. Probably going to Super Bowl. I must say at this point, it, it would be undeniable to say that you're you're 0 and 2 on that prediction. But there's still a chance to rebound here, get to 2 and 2. Um, and obviously, it's unfortunate news that Tua Tagovailoa has suffered another concussion. Uh, but the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is starting this game for the Miami Dolphins, I feel like does give the Patriots some sort of hope and. I did want to. We've talked a bit about the Dolphins and Tua and concussions, all that kind of stuff. I thought it was a little bit disingenuous. As much as I like Mike McDaniel and what the Dolphins are doing and everything, for them to say, like, yeah, we don't know when Tua Tagovailoa suffered his right. concussion, when there's a video clip of him, like, smacking the back of his head against the turf, like, unless there is some other video clip that I haven't seen, it seems pretty apparent that it happened on that play. Right, and it's almost identical. I mean, different directions, but it's almost identical to his initial concussion, which right. was offered against Baltimore in week two, where it's just a fall and then a, a whiplash back to the ground where his head smashes into the turf, which I, I don't know. I think the Tua thing is sad, and I think it's concerning. He's he's How old is he? He's 24 years old, and he's having this season where if I were his parents, I'd be like, you're done. Like, just you made it. You made your dream, but like it's that bad uh, to have this many – to be put back in that situation after four days and suffer that situation in Cincinnati in week three. And then, you know, he missed two games after that. I mean, that's not that there's a a set amount of time that a brain injury can necessarily like definitely be recovered from poorly stated, but you get what I mean that to just rush back and be forced back into it, it seemed like something like this. It was nice for a long time where nothing was happening, but it did seem like something like this was inevitable. So I think for as much as the NFL has improved on concussions since maybe you and I started covering the league a decade ago, um, this situation showed that they clearly still have a lot of holes that need to be patched up. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't watching that game closely because it was Christmas Day and... I think everyone in the world was running around to different places and everything like that. But like, so I didn't actually see that play live when it happened, but I'm actually pretty shocked that there wasn't a a bigger deal made of it at the time after the history of, of Tua's concussions and that, you know, everyone wasn't up in arms about like, why is Tua Tagovailoa still in this game after he did smack his head against the turf and then like pretty clearly struggled after that as well. Um, And Mike McDaniel said after the game that, you know, they, I, I, or he said on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, that like, uh, it was kind of a convoluted way of saying it, but he was either saying that like they noticed something in game rewatching the tape that didn't seem right, or from talking to him, something didn't seem right. But like, even at the time, he was really struggling after that play. And I feel like they probably could have gone back and pulled him from the game or done something. But, um, yeah, no, I, I feel like the league has come a long way. I don't know what's going to happen here with the Tua Tagovailoa situation, but I certainly don't think it would be a good idea to put him back on the field during the regular season. Um, and we're already going to see Teddy Bridgewater on Sunday. But I will say that even with Teddy Bridgewater starting this game, even without Tua Tagovailoa, the fact that the Patriots right now are without Jack Jones, Jalen Mills, and Marcus Jones all at practice, which means that their current healthy cornerbacks 
are Jonathan Jones, Miles Bryant, Sean Wade, and two fellows named Tay Tay Hayes and Quandre Mosley. Yeah. Not the greatest situation to be in when you're about to face uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, no matter who's at quarterback. Because, like, say what you will about Teddy Bridgewater, but he's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a competent veteran quarterback. Yeah, I would argue if you're going to be without those guys, it might as well be against Hill and Waddle because you can't cover them anyway. So why not right. just go in with Doug Hyde and Mike Hurley uh, in the defensive backfield and you're going to give up the bombs. No, uh, it's not great. It's not ideal. But, you know, that's football. It's the end of the year. Everyone's a little bit banged up. I'm sure come Sunday that, you know, they'll put some some tape on it. Though, though Jalen Mills, sneaky, like, missed the whole end of the year, uh, as did – there was some – I feel like injury – I don't want to say mismanagement because what do I know about how they do it? Right. But Isaiah Wynn was on the roster for four weeks with his injured foot before they placed him on IR. Yeah. Um, Mills has now missed if three games. I, I don't know. There's there's been some instances of He's players a bunch, yeah. uh, being out for extended periods without going to IR, which is a little bit interesting. But Mills that that shows that Mills obviously has been close, but not close because he keeps right. not playing. But uh, no, it's it's not ideal. Um, but still, I don't know. I, I have some faith in this defense to keep the opponent at or near or below 20 uh, most of the time, uh, barring yeah. like maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I do think as, as what you said about Teddy Bridgewater is true, but I don't, I mean, it does happen from time to time, but I don't see him going into Gillette and putting up like 350 and three touchdowns. That seems like a lot for him. I would agree with that. I also think that, I mean, the Dolphins offense as a whole has struggled a bunch over the last you know three or four weeks it seems like ever since the 49ers kind of put down a blueprint of how to slow down and stop the dolphins they have not been the same team and that's not a huge surprise since it was you know a, a defense that's very familiar with mike mcdaniel and kyle shanahan's offense going up against them so i'm sure that the patriots will be studying exactly what the 49ers did in that game trying to replicate it as best as possible and i mean Say what you will about them not having the cornerbacks, them um, maybe not having the the high some of the high profile players that the 49ers do, but they also have two very good pass rushers in, in Matt Judon and Josh Uche. Juwan Bentley, he's not Fred Warner, but he's playing very good football so far this season. They've got good safeties. So I think I do. I do think they can slow them down. But then it all comes back to whether or not the offense can replicate what they did in the second half of last week's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I don't know. I mean, since we have not really seen that a full game of competence from this offense in a very long time, um, I don't know. You'll probably have to get some sort of defensive scores. You're going to have to get some sort of defensive plays to win this game. Yeah, we've now reached the segment called What's What's Ticking Mike Off? And <laughs> what's ticking Mike Off? Uh, and it's not you for saying it or you or what you said. It was Matt Patricia's sort of, uh, I, I don't know the right word for it, but there was this glib sort of response to questions about the offensive failures last week where he just talked about how much they figured it out in the second half. And, Doug, that ticked me off because, <laughs> for one, you converted a third and 29 on a pinball play off some guy named Scotty Washington. Yes. It counts, but I'm not giving you credit for scheming that up and, and figuring things out. That was a, a broken play where the quarterback ran around. It was a schoolyard play to the nth degree. Um, you also were given a red zone opportunity that the defense gave you at the end, and you, you pooped that one away. Yep. And you were also playing a team that clearly at halftime was like, all right, Christmas time. Let's put on Charlie Brown Christmas and listen to some songs. <laughs> and they, they weren't the same team in the second half. So it's not like this this – complete dismissal of what the Patriots did in the second half. It's just if you look at the whole picture of it and take in a full understanding of it, I don't really garner much as certainly as much confidence as Matt Patricia did from that second no. half performance. Well, I would even say like a couple of the plays that Kendrick Bourne made were pretty low percentage plays. Like and one wasn't he, caught, which right. established Monday. Yeah, I mean one like hit the turf. He had his hands on top of the football. Uh, shocked that that was rule to catch. There was another one where, what, there were like two or three defenders draped around him, like contested catch that, I don't know, like you said, like if the Bengals weren't thinking about putting on Charlie Brown Christmas, like maybe they would have defended that play a little bit better. And then even the touchdown was like, I don't know, if if the defensive back had been 
like paying a little bit more attention or if Kendrick Bourne didn't make like such a good play to not tip him off that the ball was coming, then like that was also a pretty low percentage play. So I'm not not to like harp on Matt Patricia too much and say like, hey, even when Matt things Patricia are going right, now. it's 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 still not anything to do with what you're doing. But like, I don't know if that was necessarily like offensive competence more than it was Mac Jones making good throws and Kendrick Bourne making good plays and officials feeling bad for the Patriots and allowing a catch to stand that maybe shouldn't have. Yes. No, yeah. That's why um, you asked the uh, last episode, have they done it for a whole game? And we, we basically settled on second half Cincinnati, first half Minnesota. I think first half Minnesota is the standard, I think, that this right. offense can be in terms of peak. Um, yeah. More so than I think last week, second half, for those reasons stated. So it it did prove it can be done. And weather-wise, I haven't checked the latest, but I think it's going to be nice out uh, mm-hmm. temperature-wise. It's not going to be one of those. It's not going to be 17 degrees and windy, which was a factor there. And then we think, I mean, the Jets win in Gillette was one of the worst offensive games of the year. They scored three points. Yeah. Um, that was a very windy, cold game. So at least conditions might be in their favor this time for a little bit of, of offense. But that being said... Uh, I, 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 the more distance we get from Saturday's game, the less confidence I take from that, uh, despite the points going up. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. I, I also good vibes. I, was, I got good vibes. For good, yeah, well, I'm glad that you've got good vibes, despite all of this. Um, you still have good vibes. I, I will say, uh, while I'm thinking about it, go to thrivefantasy.com, input promo code Doug, and they will match your deposit um, up to a hundred dollars. So that would be a good thing to do heading into Sunday's game against the Bengals. Uh, maybe we could look at some props the a little Dolphins. bit later and give you or the Dolphins, I should say. Um, so I'm trying to find uh, a tweet that I put out there the other day. Uh, but I was running Patriots EPA per play uh, so far this season and uh, per, per game. So the Patriots' highest EPA per play in a single game this season came in week five against the Browns and like the actual number doesn't really matter, but it's 0.204 expected points added per play. I would say it's not a great thing that the Patriots highest EPA per play in a single game came with their backup quarterback in rather than their starting quarterback. It's another story, but there have been seven teams that have a higher single game EPA per play than the Patriots overall. Patriots' highest single-game EPA per play with Mac Jones was week two against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a very long time ago, the offense looked quite a bit different back then. And only two teams have a lower single-game EPA per play high, and that is the Commanders and the Houston Texans. So what all this means to me is that the Patriots' offensive ceiling, when Mac Jones is at quarterback— Matt Patricia's an offensive play caller. Everything, their peak, their ceiling, their upside is lower than every single NFL team other than the Washington Commanders and the Houston Texans. That's not great. And um, I think that that does speak to what we said last week about like, yeah, if the Patriots even get into the playoffs, like what good would that do? Maybe they'll have their best single game EPA per play since then uh, on against the Dolphins this week. The Dolphins don't have a very good defense. Uh, that's been, you know, one of the, the worst things about that team this season. But I don't know. I mean, that in itself, the fact that with Mac Jones at quarterback, only the commanders and Texans have a lower upside on offense. Uh, it's not great. It's, does your research, it's not ideal. Does your research include the denver broncos are they in the mix with the numbers yes, there? So they you're are saying you're saying the patriots are below them is what yes that means. so the That's broncos mad. i believe were one of the teams that had a lower single game epa per play high than the patriots did with bailey zappi at quarterback but they had a better offensive performance at some point this season than the patriots did with mac jones and so did 29 other teams yeah, I mean, it's not surprise. I mean, it's a little surprising to be third, I guess. But you look at, I mean, there's, I won't say it's easy to run offense on first and second down, but even Matt Patricia said this week, like, you see a lot of zone on first down and second down. You see some sort of basic looks that you know what's coming. But then on third down, it's when there's coaching, there's right. chess at Matt, chess plays at, at, at hand. And you have the 27th ranked third down 
offense. Better only worse teams are Arizona, the Jets, the Colts, the Texans, the Panthers, and the Broncos. All of those teams you would list as abject disasters this year. Yeah. Um, offensively speaking, one, two fired head coaches. Houston might fire their head coach. No, three fired their Indy, Carolina, and Denver all fired their head coach. Um, mm-hmm. The Jets have switched their quarterback 16 times. Uh, the Cardinals appear to be headed to firing their coach, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know the details. But you know what I mean. All those, you, yes, you'd, list as, you'd list yeah. all those as offensive dumpster fires, however you could put it. And then, you know, on fourth down, it's that, but accelerated. It's that chess game amplified, and it's uh, 31st. 31st in the league. Uh, only, I mean, the Bengals are worse, technically, but uh, the, <laughs> we'd have to look into the details on that. And then red zone, obviously, we know dead last. Uh, by a long, by a large margin, five yeah. percent separates them and the Colts. So it's all about experienced play calling and experienced situations. And I and I really think it's not oversimplifying to say that it's all stemming from that because you can't sustain long drives if you can't keep drives alive on third down. And it's not like every third down is third and sixteen. You have third and fours where you send guys deep and two tight ends collide and and kill each other. You have yeah. third and sixes where you throw short of the sticks. It's it's a poorly run offense in moments where execution needs to be high and it's top down. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. And I thought that one of the wild things Matt Patricia said this week was that I think like I, I wasn't watching live, but he actually like corrected someone about uh, yeah, how I'll tell you what it was. Um, Karen asked a question. And he said, can you please be direct? Uh, he wasn't directing the answer. And then Karen followed <laughs> up. And said, but you can understand why observers, fans, media, analysts, whatever, would look at it and say it's getting worse. And he said, actually, I think our third down was better this week than it's been all year. And it's like, sir, Mr. Patricia, sir, of all times, of all days, like this, that's not it. And that was the same thing. He's like, oh, he was also asked about the first two third downs, which had the collision. And then the other one where Mac went to throw the wide receiver screen and no one was looking for it. Um, Yeah. And he was like, yeah, well, we came out at halftime and we were six for six on third down. And it's like, geez, man. Like, if that's the whole point, if we're just doing PR spins, then, right. then like, why are they wasting this year? It just, It's just the question. Not a Matt Patricia podcast, um, but you brought it up, and I just wanted to get it on record what was said. So there it is. What do you think Matt Patricia is thinking at this point about, like, his performance this year? Like, do you think – do you think he's like so far over his head that he's like, no, this is a like I I can't do this again. We can't run this back. Like, let me do something else. Or do you think that he believes that he could one day be like one of the greatest offensive minds in the NFL? Now I don't know him, just like you don't know him. Just like nobody really knows him. He's so friendly on these zooms. It's like over the top that it's even harder to know him. Yeah. But I go back, Doug. A couple years ago when things were going bad in Detroit and he basically pushed back and said, I think I have the best, one of the best calls in NFL history. And to me, there is a sort of level of believed self greatness there that right. It's not, I mean, we know we've seen, we've seen the NFL films. They practice that for sure. And the head coach and, and Ernie Adams were all involved as well. It wasn't like Matt Patricia spotlighted that as a potential and all they did was substitute. You know, the, when when the third receiver came in for Seattle, the third the, the Malcolm Butler came in on the sideline. So it wasn't as if he was like, "Here it is. They're gonna they're gonna run the pick play. Get in there and pick it off." It was just they they had practiced that he gets some credit, but to to throw that in someone's face a few years later, like I think I have the yeah. best call in Super Bowl history. It tells me I there is a chance that he believes he's doing a good job. That they went six for six coming out of halftime, and therefore things aren't as bad as the idiots in the media say. I kind of lean towards that as well. And, and yeah, that is something that stands out where I think that like things got so bad between him and the media with like the whole like correcting posture and all those other things that um, like, I think that that's what it all like kind of broke down to where like he didn't want to give the media any wins almost. And maybe that's where he's at right now too. Um, Well, I asked him, I don't know if you saw it. I I asked him about the, so fourth and 10, uh, first of all, not a Matt Patricia podcast. This is talking about Patriots offense. You fumble, right, with 53 seconds or 55 seconds. Left. I would never. You, I would never fumble. Well, Ramondre Stevenson did. Yep. You know you're going to go for the three and out 
three timeouts, get the ball back somewhere in the field of play. You had they had five minutes of real time between yes. the turnover and the punt to get their play in order. They come on on first down. Stevenson lines up in the wrong spot. Two hands on the rock. Uh, he he gets moved, or maybe he gets moved, and then Scotty Washington is lined up sort of in the right slot. He moves to the to the left side of the line, and Max's like, no, you stand behind the center. I don't know what that position would be called when you're like a yard behind the guard uh, right. in the shotgun. I don't know. Uh, he finally, and then it's like a gimme, 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 gimme. They barely get it off. So that's where you're at. Three plays later, fourth and ten, you take a delay a game, which is insane. And then coming out of that delay a game, your center who has, what, seven years experience as a captain is your best, one of your best players, uh, snaps the ball and immediately shoots up field. 10 yards, like he's running a draw or something. I asked Patricia how that happens, and he says, I think David just thought he might have been scrambling, so not really a miscue there. It's like, Mr. Patricia, yet again. And it's like you can't, like, call him out in a zoo. There's Zoom etiquette, you know, that's yeah. not human, where you can't have sort of like a human, oh, wait, no, no, he snapped it and immediately went up. What do you mean he thought he was scrambling? It's just yeah. sort of like your turn's up, move it along, don't make things uncomfortable. Um, but that's the, that's the answers where it's like, that's not giving me a win. I want to know why the center didn't get the play on fourth right. and 15 with the, in the end of the game for your last gasp to get a chance to win. And the answer is like, well, no, you actually don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> maybe shush. I mean, I, I still, I, that's one of those plays where like, you'd love to get some like truth serum in someone in new England to be like, like, why did David Andrews run 15 yards upfield? Like, because no, in in no possible scenario did that look like he thought like, oh, he's scrambling. I better get upfield. It was immediate. It looked yeah. like he was running a route. <laughs> he did look like the fourth receiver. Yeah, it, that's the other thing with that first down play where they're scrambling like crazy. Stevenson and Scotty Washington stayed in to protect. So you had Max protect, and you ran three receivers out on the left side. You ran a go route uh, in the right slot. You ran, with Thornton. You ran a deep corner. And on the outside, Bourne, who got a signal from Mac before the snap, just ran a 15-yard curl. So to run that play, I could tell you that. I could tell you that. We don't need a name for it. All right, go, deep corner, curl, Max protect on three. Like, we don't need right. to, to, to run the – like, it's it's insane. Um, but it's just – there's a dis, dysfunction that we're not getting the answers to. We're asking Bill, and it's saying we got to do better. We're asking Patricia, and it's like, we got to do better, and also you're wrong. Uh, so those are the end max always just like got to do better. So we kind of know that, uh, but we're not really getting the why. And I'm guessing we never will unless like they cut Kendrick Bourne and he gives a great interview somewhere. We should, <laughs> can we get him on Pat's chat? Like that I would think be so. an end of season Pat's chat. See if he wants Kendrick to Bourne. He chats. He does. He, Pat's he does. Chats. He does Pat's chat. Uh, we could probably, yeah. After that Bill's game, him talking for 15 minutes, still feel bad about it that for him it, it is pretty amazing that like after these last few losses there is still this path to the playoffs and we were talking about this a little yes. bit before the show that like if they had just won the last two games and like the Bengals game they probably shouldn't have won for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about like they got off to such a bad start and then the even chance. some like even some of the plays in the second half were kind of fluky but they did have that opportunity at the end of the game to win it they 1000 percent should have beat the Raiders um, in, in this week or uh, two weeks ago. Can we talk about and, just like real quick that they you lost to the team that two weeks later benched their hundred million dollar starting quarterback? Right, like that's where you're at as a franchise. You lost to that team one week before they moved on from the guy they owe. How much do they owe him? I don't even know, but it's a hundred fifty million or something like that. Like that's they gave him a, a three year hundred twenty one million dollar contract. Yeah, and they. Right, yeah. They don't owe him a whole lot more. That's, like, one of the reasons why they did bench him, um, because it's a pretty easy contract to get out of. But, yeah, like, the Raiders actually... You lost to that team. Yes, you lost to that team. Should have beat them. Should have beat the Bengals. And they would be, what, 9-6 and right now if they had won both of those games? And the Chargers just clinched a playoff spot at 9-6. and I don't think the Patriots would be in yet at this point because... With a win, with a Dolphins win this weekend, both the Patriots and the Dolphins would both be nine and seven. But still, but, like but Patriots, you could uh, you could get in without having to beat Buffalo. Like someone right. else could lose in week. Yeah, the Chargers the could lose, thing. or something else could have happened where you would have had a, a much easier path to make the playoffs without having to beat Buffalo. And yeah, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think like 
the Patriots do deserve to make the playoffs or anything like that. But it's just like those two very easy fixes could have got you in such a better position here. I I don't know how you feel about this. I kind of feel bad for Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater in this whole situation. And like, I can't feel too bad for them because like they won so many championships and they were like on this team for so long. And obviously it's Bill trying to like grasp onto something as uh, like in that second dynasty that you can hold on to and that they can like keep passing the message along and everything like that. But like, I don't know, like just having to hear Slater and McCordy give these like answers of like, yeah, like we're just going to keep trying. Like everyone's still trying. Everyone's working hard. Like, I don't know. Cause like realistically they're probably thinking similar thoughts to like Patriots fans being like, what the hell is going on here? Like, how did this team get to this point? Like, how did we fall this far? But they just have to be this, like, this voice of positivity within Gillette Stadium to the media every week. It's it's just a bad position for them. Yeah, they definitely know what it's like when the Patriots are the Patriots. And they know what it's yeah. like when they're not. And it's been not for quite a while. So um, I'll never feel bad for Devin McCourty. Uh, he got to win a Super Bowl with his brother. I think that's like the Fair. coolest thing in the world. Um, uh, my brother and I played men's league baseball together and we couldn't even win a championship in that. So, um, it's rough. I, I, I think that's one of the cooler things you can do. So, um, you're right. It's tough, but they make good money. They live, they they're, do. they're, do, they're doing all right. And I still haven't figured out the play that I was thinking of with McCordy waiting for the ball, but I, I did rewatch it like six <laughs> times trying to trigger something. Maybe it was getting bowled into the end zone by James Conner in Arizona. That was very uncharacteristic. Yeah, there's him. been some but, on Devin McCordy like plays. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I mean that's kind of been their role since 2020, where it's like after Thanksgiving you'd talk to Slater and McCordy and be like, how do you keep spirits up? And you know what's interesting, Doug, is the Patriots are still alive in the playoffs. Win two games and you're in. Um, for like two or three weeks now, Bill Belichick has been asked the question, like, how do you keep spirits up in the locker room? We're like, what do you tell the team to keep them focused? And it's like, they're still alive. It's it's it's, right. it's a bonkers situation that it's been treated that way. But I don't know. A part of that is uh, you, you threw the word, like, deserve to make the playoffs. And definitely if they don't win enough games to get in, I don't think they deserve. But I, I look back, and I don't know when we wanted to do this, but I, w- I was thinking about, like, the most regrettable moments of the year. Because mm-hmm. I think we can assume they're not going to be Buffalo in Week 18. Like as much as we can talk right. about it, um, it's a long, long shot. But I, I look back. Obviously, the the double lateral. We could debate which one ranks higher. I actually think it's the Bengals fumble from Stevenson because of where you are in the field, because of how much time is on the clock. If you can just run the ball yeah. a couple times and score, like it's over. You win. Right. Um, I look at that and. The, the lateral play is obviously the biggest disaster we've seen maybe at the end of a game ever. But I think the fourth and 10 defense was worse. You know, before the, the touchdown that shouldn't have counted, you're killing them, and then you give them 12 yards of cushion on fourth and 10, and they you can win the game there. To me, that's another huge regret of the year. Uh, and then the third one, it was first and 10 at the 50 in Green Bay in overtime, and they didn't really even try to get that first down, and then they punted on fourth and six, which I remember asking Bill Belichick at the time, like, you didn't really think with a rookie to even go for it. He's like, no, not really, um, which I get. But right. knowing what it's you still, know now. It's still like playing not to lose rather than playing yeah. to win. It's sheepish. Not to it's, simplify it's, it, yeah. And if they miss the playoffs, I think we can look at the fourth and 10 defense against Las Vegas <laughs> and the first and 10 at the 50 in Green Bay as kind of good examples of just like, the most cautious, like you said, playing not to lose, which is often playing to lose. I look back at the Bears game um, in part because that was a game that I was at. And like I feel like that whole bizarreness has almost gotten lost this season based on what's happened the last two weeks of the fact that the Patriots started Mac Jones at quarterback with the apparent intention to pull him in the game for the second quarter and then put him back in the game for the fourth quarter. But they instead pull Mac Jones from the game after the first quarter, after an interception, put, uh, uh, put Bailey Zappi in there. And then basically by the fourth quarter have just like fully given up on the game so much that they never put Mac Jones back in the game. And, and he like, was hurt and he was hurt and he was, yeah, he was coming off a high ankle sprain. 
So that's why this intention, that's why this plan was made all along was because he wasn't healthy enough or hadn't practiced enough or hadn't done something enough to play an entire game. So Bill Belichick made this absolutely bizarre decision that no one else would have made to play him the first and fourth quarters and have Bailey Zappi play the second quarter. The entire crowd is booing Mac Jones, chanting for Bailey Zappi. And then everything also just like, like that was the, everything that transpired in that game was the worst possible situation because Mac Jones came out looking worse. Bailey Zappi came out looking worse. Bill Belichick came out looking like he didn't know what he was doing. Justin Fields came out of that game looking great. And it was just a, an outright disaster overall. But I feel like there's just been so many of those moments this season where it feels like, yeah, the, the Patriots are, yeah, they're playing not to lose rather than they're playing to win. And in games like that, like they just give up at a certain point or like, all right, we're going to lose this game anyway. Let's go on like a 10 minute drive at the end of the game. Or like, let's like, cause that was another thing about the, the bills loss um, earlier this month too. It's just like at a certain point in the game, they feel like they, they must just feel like they're so bad that they have to just give up on even trying to win. And like, I, I don't know. That's just, that's the, the best example of, of how far this fall, this team has fallen since 2019, because that never would have happened. Like, like 23 doesn't happen unless the Patriots feel that entire game that they can come back from that and win that. But it just feels like they have such little faith in their offense at all this season that even if they're down two or three scores with plenty of time left in the game, they're still not going to actually try to win the game. Yeah, one more disaster to add to that fire is that Mac Jones kicked a man in the penis. Um, just <laughs> outright kicked a man in the penis, um, which you don't see too often. I'll be honest. You, you watch a lot of football. You don't you don't get that one. But this is actually worse than I thought. I, I kind of didn't put the Bears on the regret list because it was kind of a no-show. But I do think your point is right where the plan going in was so off that you didn't put the team in position to win, which is so unpatriot-like. Um, right. and, and I don't even buy that explanation that the plan was the first in the fourth quarter because I was looking at the sideline after the second drive and Mac was sitting there pissed and Zappy was already throwing. Zappy was up and getting loose. And before they got the ball for the third drive, Zappy was in that big huddle of offensive players waiting to go in after the kickoff. And then they, he didn't. Mac went in. So there was like the, the tightest of or shortest of short ropes on Jones that night that uh, it doesn't seem like it was it was set up to win, and this is worse than I thought too. I checked this um, while you were talking. Hope you don't mind. But, no, that's um, fine. I know things haven't gone well for the Bears, uh, but you see them pop in on red zone. Justin Fields makes amazing plays on Twitter, all that. Yes. So they played the Patriots Monday night, October twenty fourth. Um, do you know how many games that the Chicago Bears have won since winning in Foxborough on October twenty fourth? <laughs> uh... I'll tell you how many they've played. One, two, three, four, five, six. They've played eight games um, since that night. Do you know how many they have won? I have they won like. Oh, they. I. I'm, I unfortunately, I looked it up. I, I would have guessed. I did not know that the Bears were three and twelve on the season. I probably would have guessed, guessed that they were two. like four and eleven, or like or five and ten. like. I thought they had done a little bit better. Yeah, they've won zero games since then. That's zero. that's insane. Like their offense did rebound to the fa- to the point where like everyone's like, "Oh, the Bears are back." Like Justin Fields looks great. Justin Fields has looked much better obviously since that yeah. game, but yeah, I did not realize that they have not won a game since with that week 7 win against the Patriots. That's mm-hmm. absolutely insane, and they're probably not going to win against the no. Lions or against the Vikings to close out the season either. So like they very easily could finish this season. Would that be three and 14 with their last win coming in dominant fashion in new England on Monday night against the new England Patriots. That's a good um, point. But no, I mean, their, it's their, their other win uh, three point over Texas, uh, the Texans. And yeah. they did beat San Francisco by nine points in week one. Remember that mud bowl? Uh, yeah not, oh not yeah really uh, so really like i mean it counts but if we're looking at real football games they're um two and 12 really if we and one was against houston and one was against the patriots so that that definitely has to rank in the top four biggest regrets of the year you're right you've convinced me yeah i mean also because I, it was a good point that you made of like oh, they thanks. didn't really put the the, the the they're themselves in the best position to win when like after that game Patriots players were like, yeah, we had no idea what the plan was going into the game. We didn't know who was going to start. We didn't know that Bailey Zappi was going to be coming in. And, like, I was staring at uh, Bailey Zappi that entire game 
because I had heard before the game that like, oh, something weird is going to happen. Like, like I don't think like Mac Jones might not start this game, but he's going to play. He might not play the whole game, whatever it was. So like everyone kind of had their eyes on Bailey Zappi and it felt like the entire, even in like the first and second drive, he was like, am I going in? Am I not? I'm going to throw. I'm going to get prepared. It was like, they told him before the game, like be prepared to go in at any moment. And that's great in the preseason because like you're telling guys to get prepared to go into the game at any moment in case during the season, there is an injury that occurs that forces you into the game. Not like, ah, turns out Mac Jones ankle. Isn't that good? Let's put (laughs) Bailey Zappi in here. So yeah, no, I think it's, I think it deserves to to be in one of the regrets. One more, one more uh, stat on the fly. Uh, here, the Bears, uh, it's not that bad, actually. They, they've, they've allowed an opposing quarterback rating this year of 90.5, which is, okay. uh, like, middle middle ground. Yeah, middle it's back. not great. But, uh, you know, it's not great, not bad. The Patriots that night, uh, Bailey Zappi had a 67.4 rating, and uh, Michael McCorkle-Jones had a 16.7 rating. So you were, like, just exceptionally bad against a team that is not good. Uh, that was That was an ugly night. So I think we're not eulogizing the season yet. No, um, because again, good vibes. I think they're going to beat Miami. I think they're going to stay alive till next week. And then you need like seven miracles to happen in Buffalo. But when it comes to that, when it gets to the ending, we assume will happen. I think those are the points we'll look at and say, like, you were good enough to not lose all of those situations. And, and right. well, let's let's do the flip side, too. Like, uh, I forget the Jets punter who punted to Marcus Jones at the end of that game. That's a break you caught. Um, yep. I don't know that they had any other wins that were like kind of dependent on on the opponent biffing it. Maybe Gunnar Olszewski muffing a punt at his own fifteen. Uh, right. That was a pretty big gift. Uh, yeah. So there's a couple wins I think that you could paint that same way. Maybe uh, Ky- Keller Murray getting hurt on the first yeah. drive against the Cardinals to, didn't help them very yeah. much. Yeah, uh... I do think they lose that game if Kyler Murray plays the Patriots. Yeah. So, I um, so I guess maybe it it evens out, but. You got say you get those breaks like those other ones were in, in your control and you didn't make them. So I think ultimately when it comes time to say, oh, the Patriots are out of the playoffs, we'll kind of easily know why. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Bill O'Brien because we talked a little bit about that last week and he was talking before. Why are they playing in the Sugar Bowl or something like that? No um, they, he said that he hasn't talked to the Patriots since April when I think he visited Gillette Stadium. It was like he was here for a little bit. Jed Fish was in Foxborough for a little bit, and like that's apparently how the Patriots plan to build out their offense by bringing Jed Fish and Bill O'Brien into the facility for like yeah. a week. Um, and well, yeah, Jed that's how Fish, that works. Well, you remember like his tenure here was outstanding offensively. Like, like the quarterback couldn't throw a screen pass, but other than that, like it was awesome. Well, you got to get that uh, that experience of the Sean McVay system that Jed Fish spent like two and a half <laughs> years in. So, and yeah, but. Um, yeah, Bill O'Brien says he hasn't spoken to the Patriots since April. I don't think that necessarily means that like that's not going to happen this offseason, though, because it still is the most logical way to fix this offense is to bring Bill O'Brien back in here. I I also wanted to talk a little bit, or maybe do you have thoughts on Bill O'Brien? Do you have thoughts on that whole situation? We did that Monday, right? I don't want to. Yeah, we talked myself. a lot about it. I, I still yeah. think it's it's just common sense because uh, i made the point monday i'll make it again like you don't need to be the number three offense in the league you need to be the number 11 offense and bill o'brien right. can do that easily yes yeah you would just have to be top half like you can't be the worst like highest ceiling of the nfl beyond the texans and commanders like you just have to be considerably better than that i think that's what bill o'brien can do you throw, I did want to talk you throw the hold on you throw the technical numbers around a lot I throw this around like you can't be in the ass category of offense. Like there's <laughs> there's that group of like seven or eight teams that are ass on offense. You got to get out of that, and you got to yeah. be like, I mean, they actually may be sub ass. So there's sub ass, ass, and then there's just non ass teams. You got to at least get to non ass, and anything yeah. above that is gravy. And I feel like so since 2020, I feel like the Patriots' offense was like pretty ass in 2020. And it's been like even more ass this season, but then there was last year where like I don't think they were they were total ass last season. They were like that's what you need to be. Yeah, they were above the ass category in 2021. Um, They were. um, They ranked. uh, Let's see, I lost it. They ranked 
sixth in points, which was you know. Oh yeah, they were they were like a top ten offense last year. But they were fifteen in yards, so you know, find a middle and you're in there. I mean, you had the fourteenth ranked passing yard offense, and you had the eighth ranked rushing yard offense. That's that's kind of like that's fine. That's enough to win yeah. games and make the playoffs. It's not enough to win the Super Bowl. Uh, which used to be cool when they did that. But I guess if you're trying to make improvements, that would be step one, is getting to the 8th through 13th ranked offense. Uh, I want to talk about the Derek Carr benching a little bit more as well because I feel like that's something that could have ramifications that involve the Patriots. Um, I saw that Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, who, I don't know, he has a tendency to just kind of like throw things out there at the wall and see what sticks. But he he did mention Mac Jones as a possibility to be the Raiders' next starting quarterback. And that seems much more unlikely than someone like Tom Brady joining the Raiders or Jimmy Garoppolo joining the Raiders. But, I mean, it is an interesting proposition because the only thing is that, like, I feel like someone has to go this offseason. And it's either going to have to be Matt Patricia's offensive play caller or Mac Jones at quarterback, like this relationship cannot stand moving forward. So if for some reason Bill Belichick did pick Matt Patricia over Mac Jones, or if Mac Jones is just so sick of being on this team that he like demands a trade or something like that, I don't know. I mean, I could see Josh McDaniels wanting to work with with Mac Jones again. I think he'd probably prefer to work with Tom Brady. I don't know where he stands on the Jimmy Garoppolo versus Mac Jones debate. Uh, but do you envision any scenario where Mac Jones – He's not the quarterback of the Patriots next year and is instead rocking the black and silver in Las Vegas. I mean, the point you raise about Mac potentially pushing for it is interesting because there is a chance that neither side is in love with each other right now. And is, is my microphone right. okay in my in my lounging position? Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Nice. I felt like lounging. Um, I like but there the is lounge. That, yeah, there is a possibility that neither side, like they want to break up. I don't know. My, my thing is this. You sh- you are supposed to know after year two, you have to, you're supposed to have a good idea of what you have in your young quarterback, uh, whether you're going to build around him, whether you're going to add pieces that complement him, like you saw in, with the Chargers this year. Uh, like your young quarterback, you should have a good idea of after year two. Yeah, you have wasted this year, and we have yes. no proper evaluation on Mac Jones that we didn't right. like. Like we had a very good impression from his rookie year, and we said it, X, Y, and Z need to happen this year. Nothing happened, and I don't put any of it on him. Like, I really don't because he's under fire every snap. Yeah. Everyone around him doesn't know what they're doing. There's dysfunction. There's there's a lack of leadership. There's a lack of coaching. So it's, like, so prevalent with every aspect of that offense that I can't sit and just put him in a vacuum and say, well, he was bad on this play, bad on this play. Like, he's made bad decisions throughout, yeah. no doubt. He's also made some great throws, but ultimately what he's being asked is making chicken salad out of chicken caca. And so I'm I'm not in a position to be like, yeah, they'll get rid of him. Yeah, they got it. Yeah, he's the future guy. I don't know. So what I land on is you need someone. You might want to get another quarterback in the mix that's of that, like, starter, quasi-backup mentality, like, position to compete like i think you like you might want yeah. a competition next year uh because if mac isn't that you you lost this year to determine if he's not up for it and so you need to have someone in position to either push him and you might argue zappy is that guy i wouldn't right. uh yeah <laughs> other people would argue that he is uh if you listen to the crowd at gillette stadium during games but uh that, that's where i think you're you're best suited if you're the patriots that way you if he is your guy he'll blossom and develop and get better and if he's not, you have someone like uh, Teddy Bridgewater or of that ilk that can be a starter, that can push, and maybe will be better, and then you figure it out after that. But I, I think that's unfortunate. There's there's a lot of those quarterbacks who are free agents this year, too, that like could fit in that category. And like Jimmy Garoppolo would be like the high end of that spectrum. Um, Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett is in there, like... Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield. Um, like, there's like even like, I don't know. I guess I want to include like Case Keenum in that conversation, but like, he's still around. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's uh, Josh Josh Allen's back up there in Buffalo. No, Uh, disagree. If things fall the right way, the Patriots could see him there in uh, in week 18. 
But that's um, a good example. You mentioned Josh Allen. Like, I feel like that's a good example. Where rookie year, we were all trashing Josh Allen. Right. Watch this throw into the ninth row. Great pass. Like, his receiver is being frustrated. By the end of year two, he had started to come around in a way right. that the Bills the Bills saw what they hoped to have seen starting to flourish. And that's, that's what allowed them. That was in 2019 going into 2020 when they really exploded. So, man... I think that's ultimately like if you want to do quarterback talk, it's like, man, what a what a lost year for yeah. a very important one for the franchise. When you oh, definitely when you have a now, granted, <clears throat> guys get picked in the first round all the time. Jake Locker was what the tenth overall pick. He was. It happens. Uh, but I mean, look at Zach Wilson. You know, it, it happens where a first round pick doesn't pan out. But when you as an organization invest in that and don't even get to study the return. That's 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 massive. That's just a massive loss and a waste of time. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that list of quarterbacks who are free agents, um, Andy Dalton is a free agent. Uh, Taylor Heineke is a free agent. Uh, Joe Flacco, Taylor Cam Newton. Huntley, Cam Newton. <laughs> Cam Newton. My, Mike White is a free agent. I don't know. It's just like it's a fascinating list <coughs> of free agent quarterbacks who could potentially join here. I did. Well, as that sort of competition, I did want to ask you, Is I, I think you kind of already gave your answer. And I feel like I have much less confidence right now that Mac Jones is going to be, let's say, a top 10 quarterback after this season I did after last year. Because there was no upward ascent this season whatsoever. And there's plenty of excuses for why. And you mentioned them. Uh, and they're all solid. But like, I feel like even with the deficiencies on offense and the fact that no one really seems to know what they're doing, I would have liked to have seen more complete games out of Mac Jones where he did look like a competent quarterback, where he was, you know, ascending beyond all the deficiencies on offense. I think that that's part of what we saw in the second half against the Bengals, but still it didn't happen in a full game. So I just kind of like to see that in a full game over the second half or over these last two games to have a little bit more confidence in that. Um, But would you have more confidence next season if Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator that the Patriots could have a top, I don't know, seven offense if Mac Jones is at quarterback or if Jimmy Garoppolo is at quarterback? Hmm. Uh, who's my offensive line coach? Because um, I, I, I think that's that's a significant factor that is not exciting to talk about, but we always come back to is yeah. poor offensive line play across the board, really. Uh, I don't know. You, you mentioned Mike Nguyenu as someone who hasn't really had much bad stretches, and I agree with that. But outside of that, you could point to everyone. Uh, Andrews' bad stretch being an injury. I don't think when he's been on the field, he's been bad. But right. there have been issues across the board that I wouldn't say no quarterback could have succeeded in, right. but very few quarterbacks could have thrived back there. And Jimmy, we know, is a product of his environment. I, yeah. I don't think he lifts teams. He'll have one primetime game every year where he throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns and gives an interview on the field and looks great. Um, and he makes millions of more dollars every time. But um, overall, he's a guy that makes the simple throw, makes the simple play, is told what to do. So I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't have more belief in him than Mac Jones, if that's the answer. I think that Mac Jones has a higher ceiling and Jimmy Garoppolo might have the higher floor because like, I don't think I don't necessarily think that Jimmy Garoppolo would have been as bad at times this season as Mac was, even despite some of the offensive line issues and everything like that. Doug, he wouldn't have lasted. Even Mac got (laughs) to week three. Jimmy wouldn't have lasted to week three. I, I also think that like the way that Brock Purdy is performing right now is a little bit damning towards Jimmy Garoppolo because like, They've essentially been the exact same quarterback this season. And Brock Purdy was literally the last pick in this year's draft. A borderline undrafted rookie quarterback who's playing exactly the same as Jimmy Garoppolo did. So I do think that, especially this season, Jimmy Garoppolo is a product of of his environment and Kyle Shanahan's coaching and everything that the 49ers have going right on their offensive line, on their offensive play caller, playmakers, everything like that. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I so when it comes down to it, I don't think the Patriots should move on from Mac Jones. Um, but I also seriously question whether or not he will ever be a quarterback who can make his team like win games that they shouldn't necessarily. 
so Kirk Cousins, like we said when he came in. Yeah, Kirk like Cousins, can we talk Jimmy about the Garoppolo. Floor? Can we talk about the floor for a second? Cause yeah. Mac's whole thing was like very high floor. Right. And again, I'm not going to blame him for most of what happened this year, but just the numbers-wise, like nine touchdowns and oh, eight yeah. picks in 12 games. Last year, through his first 12 games as a rookie, he had 16 touchdowns and eight picks. So it's it's like the same amount of picks in the the the, the touchdowns are way down. It's hard, I get it, but I, I don't know. I thought I had higher expectations for what the floor would look like. So maybe part of that is uh, a bad reaction to a bad situation. Not blaming him for that, but he's going to have right. to figure out a way to navigate the NFL because, uh, spoiler <clears throat> alert, most coaches are bad. Uh, maybe that's an oversimplification, but you can't. You're like Jimmy Garoppolo is a charmed man to live the life he's led with his coaching that's led him to where he's at. Um, you do have to overcome some of it. And I would yeah. say, if you want a criticism, Mac has overcome very little of it. I think you know, I would have, I would have liked to see some more. I think you mentioned earlier you wanted to see a complete game, not even complete game, but just some more moments that show he can rise above. And I don't know, does the third and twenty nine scramble throw stand out? Maybe, but I mean, he did hit Scotty mm-hmm. Washington in the shoulder pad, uh, which was a heck of a heck no. Of a that's throw. what I'm saying. It was a good throw by him. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe I'm overlooking some things because it's all feeling <laughs> kind of bad. So shame on me. But that that's where I'm looking. Like, man. Nine and eight, nine to eight touchdown to interception ratio. I, I thought you'd be in double digits by week seventeen. It's it's a cold it's a cold floor that he's on right now. Like you're in the basement, you are you, you're the, the the basement of your house is cold. Um, he's in the basement right now. The, the basement we expected the floor for Mac Jones to be first floor, and it turns out that the floor for Mac Jones was actually in the basement. Hey, can I, I think throw that's a, what we're saying? Can I throw a quarterback thought in uh, as I have the yeah. stats page up? And I'm not being like flipping about it, uh, about it, but like, I hope Brian Hoyer is okay. Like, yeah, like that man came in, started a game, got absolutely smoked. Uh, who gave that up? Isaiah Wynn, uh, blindside. Yeah. No, was it the, was it the right side? I think yeah, I was off the right side. Um, literally never heard from him again. So I hope he's. I genuinely hope he's doing okay because that's. Yeah. That was a long time ago. That was week five, four. Uh yeah yeah, and I think that like Bailey Zappi's ascent probably didn't force the issue to get Brian Hoyer. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I hope field. it's the case. Right. And then the you bring in Garrett Gilbert. He can kind of be that, that third guy in case things go really haywire. But no, absolutely. I also hope that Brian Hoyer is okay, and we'll see what happens for his career moving forward. Speaking of Patriots backup quarterbacks, are you excited to see what Jarrett Stidham can do over the final two weeks of the season? We, I, I'm sure that we collectively wrote a whole lot about Jarrett Stidham during the 2020 offseason. Well, Let's 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 do accountability because I didn't like all like like I remember Mike Reese being like on Sports Center like guys the guy they love is Jared Stidham and I was like I love I love how you're doing accountability this? when you're gonna be like I was right all along no I just observed <laughs> I didn't write the hype no one was pump, pumping it but like you heard a lot of hype in the in the spring of 2020 for Jared Stidham uh, what were you what were you saying writing hearing about Mr. Stidham then, because uh, I would find that curious or interesting. I, well, someone told me that the Patriots liked Jarrett Stidham more than Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's, I guess, about as like cold, freezing cold takes as you can possibly get. But like, that was the sense out of at least like part of the building is that they did like Jarrett Stidham. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, I think there's been a lot of like rumors about like why the whole like, they signed Cam Newton in what was that like July of 2020? It was like June 30th, yeah. Like that they gave up on Jared Stidham after the spring and like and signed Cam. It was like, but I feel like some the of radio those... uh, Felger and Maz always say it's because he went to a wedding in Texas, and I'm like, it's become like part of lore. Right. Like, oh well, well he went to a wedding. Like Maz, no, I don't think a wedding uh, necessarily would uh, cost one's job if you're good at quarterback in the NFL. Right. I think like I think he, he wanted wasn't to bring in. I think that was probably part of it, because like, and because also like at some point, year, right? At some point during that 2020 season, like they could have turned the reins over to Jared Stidham. Like several, times. it wasn't as if there I mean, were not like opportunities. And what Brian Hoyer started that game against Kansas City, where if Jared Stidham had started that game, like I don't know, maybe he wins. But like I don't know, Stidham looked pretty good this summer uh, during preseason. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Mike Giardi had a tweet this week did you see giardi's tweet about sidham no 
I don't know when he's talking about, but he said that it, I don't know if he was talking about this year or if he was talking about the Patriots in 2020, but that during the spring, there was some thought that Jared Siddham was going to be like, could compete to be the starter or something like that. I don't know if he meant that as far as the Raiders go, but um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to go great. Ultimately. I don't think that Jared Siddham is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that uh, ultimately, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I think that everyone loved the pick at the time when the Patriots took him in the fourth round. Everyone thought that that was a steal for the Patriots. Not me, Doug. I didn't. You were I never, said, eh. you you were never a a, a Studham guy, a Jared Studham guy. No, um, but I don't know. I mean, like you pointed out, like not only going to Cam Newton in twenty twenty, but refusing to let Jared Studham play at all in December, when clearly, like, you had right. an opportunity to let him play. Now, granted, I don't know what development you get playing with brian izzo and demir bird and mm. whoever else was on the field in december yeah. but it's better than not playing so that was that was strange that led to some of the weirdest bill belichick zoom conferences ever when it was like are you going to make a change against like guys cam is our quarterback and i don't know it does kind of go into that bears week this year where things were oh 100 so i don't know maybe there was like a a, a veteran owing sort of feeling bill felt toward cam and he convinced him to come or whatever it was. Maybe right. It was like a, an agreement not to like bench him and hurt his career. But I think right. Cam's play ended up hurting his career. Uh, probably probably would have helped to bench, to be honest, with how it went. Not playing. Yeah. Better than playing. He still did get the opportunity last year in Carolina. And I think that that probably hurt his career even more than 2020. <sighs> but, well, there was also like the Stidham injury in 2020. And then yes. am I am I crazy that in 2021 even – at, for like at least part of training camp, it was a three-man battle between Cam Newton, Jared Siddham, and Mac Jones. Am I like incorrectly remembering that? Um, I think <clears throat> so. I think you are. I think that they traded him before camp. No, they this traded year? him this year. Oh no, no, yeah. no. Oh, 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 oh. The year before. Oh, yeah. when Cam was here. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, I think he was hurt though. Wasn't that the thing? Well, he got hurt in 2020, wasn't it? He got hurt in 2020. Maybe he got hurt at the wedding. (laughs) I think he might have gotten hurt again, actually. Yeah, because I think he like came out in the beginning of training camp was like pretty good, and then he got hurt again. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens Uh, here. I I personally, it's this is one of those weird things in football though, where like there is no legitimate excuse to bench Derek Carr for Jared Stidham. Everyone knows that it's because of this quirk in Derek Carr's contract where he has an injury guarantee and the Raiders like cannot let him get injured over the last two weeks of the season. But like, for some reason, they're also just not saying it. It's like, come on, just like be honest. Like you don't really want to see Jared Stidham. You know that Derek Carr gives you a better chance to win right now, but you're also not willing to say the obvious that everyone's already mentioning. I don't know. It's pretty wild to me. It's probably some NFL PA eyes watching it, but it's, you just can't admit it. One of those situations, but I did, Doug, <laughs> uh, you were talking about missing. I still haven't fumbled, football. by the way. Good. You're like walking around campus. You're the guy walking yep. around campus. Um, you, you mentioned about the uh, wa- like missing a lot of football over Christmas weekend. <laughs> I missed a lot of the Christmas Eve game because like it was Christmas Eve. Um, so I was catching up the next day. And it was like, can I read you <laughs> the Raiders' second half drives and how they ended? If I mean, sure, most people know by now. But here's how their drives went in the second Wait, half. Wait, the Raiders? Break. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Interception. Interception. Punt, punt, punt. Interception. <laughs> they had 50 uh, yards in the second half, and they had three interceptions and three punts. It was, ah, uh, I mean, so you say there's no legitimate reason. Like, yeah, I, yeah. but, yeah, but. We'll go, yeah, but. But the fact that right. he's like, not even going to work anymore, that like they can't yeah. afford to let him like get hurt tying his shoes, that's incredible. <laughs> like, that's the situation, he... but. Better off if he sustains than... any injury, he would be on the non-football injury list yes. rather than <laughs> rather than actual injured reserve. Yeah, that's. Uh... I went to a, a rock and roll show last night. Not a not a particularly violent one. It was uh, piebald, so everyone was over thirty. Um, yeah. Hammies tight, tight hammies Ooh, today. Tight really? hammies today. Yeah, uh, didn't stretch before I stood up for two hours. So, shame on me. Uh, I'll learn from it and try to get better next time. All right, that's good. How's the uh, how's how's selling your car going? Horrible. Um, I'm just 
a maniac and unwell mentally. So the whole process is bad for someone like me. Like I would, I would pay someone like a thousand dollars to just do it all, but that job doesn't exist. I need that with like mm. all adult things, like right. everything being an adult, but I don't know. We'll get there. The thing is, I don't like any cars. Mm. There's no car I see. And I'm like, damn, that's nice. And then the ones I do cost like $55,000. So true. It's, uh, that's, that's a problem being me. Yeah. Like, well, am I going to go crazy for a Toyota RAV4, Doug? <laughs> or another CRV? Like, no one gets excited about that. So, I have some mental hurdles I have to clear. Thanks for asking. You're just going to have a collection of CRVs in your driveway. Yeah. I don't know if that really. I don't know. It doesn't look like the nasty. Needle, I guess. They have, like, nasty blue green color to really just hammer at home that you're a dork and no one likes you. Like, they don't make it anymore, but I'd get a custom. Like, a custom, terrible paint job. Just to. I deserve I deserve bad things. That's what yeah. it comes down. Well, good luck selling your car. Good luck yeah. finding a car that you love. Um, good luck on your tight hamstrings. I mm-hmm. ate way too much pizza last night because uh, me and my friends did our annual Secret Santa at Town, Sto- Town Spot Pizza in Stoughton, Massachusetts. And for some reason, I was like, I'm just going to eat this entire pizza after eating a bunch of fries. So my hamstrings are fine, but I'm just kind of laggy in general, I guess I would say today. Yeah, I um I stayed over in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, so I went to the Friendly Toast this morning, obviously, and got mm. they had an appetizer. It was some tater tot thing, and you assume a plate of tater tot. No, they were like jumbo marshmallow sized tater tots with like a cheese sauce and like a sriracha, and I was just like, and then my meal came, which was several items of food. Um, so I too am feeling a bit bloated headed into the new year. So new year, I new year. the I saw piebald in New Hampshire. Probably like 2003 or four. It was at, I think, Plymouth State uh, College, University. I'm not sure uh, what, what that is. Uh, but that was the first time that I ever got a traffic violation leaving that show. And I was driving down the street, didn't see a stop sign. So just like kept driving past a stop sign, realized I was going the wrong way, did a U-turn, and then drove the other way. Still didn't see the stop sign, drove through the stop sign again. And the, the police pulled me over and were like, you didn't see the stop sign. I was like, what stop sign? They were like, you, you blew through the same stop sign twice. So we like basically have to give you a ticket right now. Like if you'd done it once, you would have been fine, but you did it twice. Yeah. I didn't see it. I mean, what can you say? Um, but haven't got a lot of, uh, traffic violations since then, but yeah, no, that's good. Um, they, they played, it was the 20th anniversary of we are the only friends that we have, which is crazy. Uh, as a 25-year-old who enjoyed that album when it came out, I've run the numbers, and I don't get it. Um, I don't remember being five when it came out. Yet here we are. So we're we're running the EPA per play on my age, and it's, it's the, the computer's exploding. So not sure. You're but you're, uh, you're only younger than the Commanders and the Texans. I hate to break that to you. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. We will see you guys again or talk to you guys again on probably on New Year's after that game against the Dolphins. And uh, Mike is is uh, guaranteeing what, like a 52-17 win over the Dolphins somewhere around there. Let me feel the vibes for a second. Let me let me hone in on the vibes. We're not hitting the 40s. We're not talking 40s. I think, though, like a couple of. I have some hesitations, some hesitations against the vibes with the tight end situation with Johnny with the concussion, with Henry with the leg. So that's going to cut in like I was feeling 30, but maybe it's like a 27 22 Patriots victory and the season lives on. Like the vibes, the I'm not in control of the vibes. I'm just I'm as I'm like the intermediary to tell you what the vibes are saying. I'm going to say like I I think they win. Uh, but I think there's gonna be like some some missed extra points, maybe some two point conversion. I think it's gonna be like nineteen sixteen. It's gonna be like a real, real ugly game. Uh, the Patriots grind it out. Um, I don't Can see I a lot one of success thing? for the Dolphins. Yeah. Now I know the Patriots have lost this year to the likes of Josh McDaniels, Mike McDaniel, uh, Zach Taylor. Uh, who else we got? Kevin O'Connell, uh, Matt Eberflus. Uh, even uh, Matt LaFleur or LaFleur in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur Matt Matt and Mike Mike's, Mike's in New York Mike's right? in New York um, okay so the the shock value of Bill Belichick losing to certain coaches is like long long gone 
Yeah. But getting swept by Mike McDaniel, I think, would still be um, not. And that's not an insult. Just to, by getting right. swept by a first-year head coach um, would be sort of another level. So I would like to think that with all this film uh, on the Dolphins and with their current skid, that the Patriots will have some good plans in place to beat them. Like maybe I'm being like stuck in 2020 with that when when that image sort of shattered. But yeah. I I gotta think. I'm I'm betting against the Mike McDaniel over Bill Belichick sweep. That's that's a lot. I think that's fair. I think that uh, Gerard Mayo also coaching for a head coaching interviews, uh, possible job, that plays a factor as well. So, no, I'm with you. I think the Patriots win this game. But if they lose it, it's probably going to be in, like, crazy, embarrassing, devastating fashion. Um, we've already seen Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers be involved in losses. Uh, I think it would have to be like someone else really good on this team to be like involved Judon, in the loss. Judon like, yeah. strip sack goes to pick it up, gets stripped, fumbles into the end zone. Right. Safety. Safety. Patriots lose by two. Right. Something exactly. like that. Yeah. I hear some crying in your house. You better go. I know. I'm surprised that you can hear that. I can barely hear that. But all right. I'll talk to you later. See Bye. ya. We're out of here.